0: Waiting for the shotgun snap, he's got the ball, quick throw left side, Renfro with the a catch, and he breaks one tackle, and the ball comes out, it's loose, and it's picked up by the Cardinals in midfield, it's picked up by Byron Murphy at the 40, at the 30, at the 20, at the 10, ball game! Byron Murphy picks up the ball at midfield, returns it for a touchdown, and the Cardinals win!
1: i really need to stop doing this i really need to stop doing the thing where i figure that this week is going to be the dud like this week is going to be the one where we all come down off the high that is the nfl because these games are starting slow and these teams have these giant leads and and we're due right we're overdue actually for just a whole lot of blah but no not week two Week two wound up being the sequel that was actually better than the original with not one, but two 20-point comebacks and a heartbreaking exit and the return of a familiar leading man and also, yes, the Cowboys. So today, our Monday morning quarterback, Alex Smith, tells us why he specifically can relate to so much of what we just watched and why it was even better than you think. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Monday, September 19th. And this is ESPN Daily. So, Alex Smith, uh, there's a lot of important stuff that, like, changed the balance of power in the entire league, possibly. But I actually wanted to start here with you just with, like, the most fun thing I saw and that means Kyler Murray, right? Like, can we both start there? Are
2: you okay with that? I'm I'm good with that. I, uh, it was so funny you said that. I, I don't know if I ever can remember a, a single play lasting that long. I mean, no, the two-point no. conversion he had today lasted 21 seconds. Uh, I didn't know that was possible. Dude, it was a two-point conversion. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter. They're trying to
1: mount this comeback the Cardinals are against the Las Vegas Raiders. They've been down the entire game. And he covers 84.85 yards in 20 seconds on a two-point conversion. And all I could hear while the play was going on was the Benny Hill music. Three receivers right. Snap to Kyler. Looking right. Now back to the
0: middle. Now runs to the right. Being chased. Backing up at the 20. Looking. Still dancing around. Pointing, still holding the ball like it's street ball in the backyard. He's still got it. Runs right to the 10. Cuts left to the 5, and he's going to score. Oh, my goodness. Kyler Murray on a play that took about a minute. Somehow gets in the end zone for two points.
2: It was as about a backyard of play as you could ever dream of that's in the NFL. I mean, let alone he ran the 85 yards or whatever over the 21 seconds. I mean, he directed traffic seven times pointing guys left and right, trying to just will somebody to get open. Um, It was such a crazy play when you, you know, you pull back and you look at the all 22 view, you realize the Raiders are rushing two passers. They have nine guys no. in, in the end zone. So <laughs> there's, nine, <laughs> there's nine Raiders in the end zone. You know, you're, it's a two point conversion. So, I mean, there's not a lot of field to work with. So you got nine black shirts just sitting there I mean, as you can imagine, it's just there's there's not a lot of space. I mean, meanwhile, as Kyler's scrambling around, he you know he's losing ground because he keeps wheeling back to the left and wheeling back to the right and then setting up and pointing. Yeah, full on Madden. So it's hard to find a window now where you're throwing a 15 to 20 yard pass with nine Raiders in the in the end zone, and uh, he does the the smart thing, which was finally just called his own number and said, "Screw this! I'm I'm just going to run this bad boy in myself." <laughs>
1: That play, though, that strategy, the it's time, ty- it's Kyler time, that that play call, right? Like, at a certain point, Alex, it became pretty clear to me that watching the Cardinals offense, like it is best when Kyler is doing Kyler. Like I understand that they have plays in their playbook, I presume, but it's that stuff that seems to be
2: where this team actually can begin to look actually special. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like it took six quarters uh, for Cliff Kingsbury to finally realize that. You know, they got just absolutely <laughs> mollywopped in the opener last week. And then it looked like the same. It looked like they ran into the group of death. Here they got the Chiefs in the opener, and then they're getting the Raiders. And it was like, yep, man, the poor Cardinals got back-to-back AFC West teams. And it looked like it was going to be another embarrassing performance. And then the second half, especially the, the end of the third and end of the fourth, was just the Kyler show. And... I think he showed why he is so special there's nothing like him I'm not sure uh you know we've seen anything really close to him I mean maybe Michael Vick from a skill set standpoint and creativity or I mean you just look at his stature I mean he's not he's not that tall his legs his legs are not that long but man he can turn those suckers over and there's nobody on the field that when he wants to when he's healthy and rolling there's not many there's nobody on the field that can keep up with him and he really showed that uh with the game on the line yeah I mean it was it was he is the human joystick at quarterback that can also throw it all over the yard as well. Uh, You know, again, kind of putting the team on his back. This team, this offense is really missing DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Mm -hmm. And to steal this win today, I mean, this is one I think they could look back, Cliff Kingsbury especially, that may, could save their season, could be a turning tide. But to steal this win and not go down 0-2 to start the season was huge. No, he saved himself so many um, takes, on like the shows that
1: are aired on this network, right? The idea that Cliff had already fallen off the cliff. That was going to be the take. The idea that the human joystick was actually a nickname that conjures up a nightmare because of all the video game like study stuff from before the season. But instead, they're down 20 at the half they come back there's a 62 yard fumble recovery and a run into the end zone to end the overtime and all of those jokes get flipped on their head
2: i mean they didn't score until there were six minutes left in the third quarter i mean so it completely <laughs> shut out for most of this game you know and then get a score and then you know and then find a way to get another one with the two with the two-point conversion we just talked about right and then again get the ball back drive all the way down and find a way to punch it in and it was like deja vu they they have to get a nut, they're down eight so they score again they need another two-point conversion to tie the game and it, it I couldn't believe it the Raiders did the same thing they played coverage like <laughs> at this point Kyler had been running around at free will making plays and I couldn't believe they didn't pressure him in this situation
0: ball on the far hash Mark snap to Murray drops back to throw. Everybody covered, pointing, directing traffic, fires back at the end zone, and a sliding attempt, and A.J. Green pulled it in. He got it. It's a two-point conversion. We are going to overtime. What a throw by Murray, and A.J. Green redeems himself.
2: But, that, I mean, to pull off this win and then, and then that with a walk-off, walk-off, fumble recovery, scoop and score by the Cards defense, which is, had, had been struggling, to say the least, and uh, to, to win the game in that fashion – Uh, We'll see. We'll see if they can use this momentum going forward.
1: No, and then you throw in the delay of game. You throw in the whole, like, mix of, of just ingredients that have you, Alex Smith, for the podcast audience, like, occasionally holding, literally holding your head in your hands. It felt like one of those days where if you were to look at a readout of our heart rate monitors as people watching the game, let alone playing it, you'd be
2: like, Are you okay? Should you get checked out right now? The bad part is that you could check my heart rate monitor and it definitely was fluctuating. Although if you looked at GPS, I didn't move much at all today. I literally just <laughs> sat in the same seat all day and it was glorious. The
1: anti-Kyler
2: Murray, yes. <laughs> exactly. You moved 0.1 yards.
1: But all right, we both have to stay exactly where we are right now because after the break... We have to get to the actual biggest story of the entire day.
0: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style,
1: So Alex, this is one of those days truly where I'm like, I'm so glad I get to talk to you because this is a day about your old teammates on new teams, your old teams dealing with familiar dynamics and like body parts even. And we start, of course, with the Niners. I mean, this is the biggest story of the day. Let's make no bones about it, right? Like you're living out in the Bay. This is your neighborhood team. This is your former team that drafted you. You relate to all parties in the dynamic we're about to discuss here. You have been Jimmy Garoppolo in some sense. The guy benched for the younger guy, the dual threat guy. But you've also been the guy carted off the field with this leg injury. As we now know that Trey Lance is out for the entire season after breaking his ankle in the first quarter, according to Kyle Shanahan in the postgame presser. And I'm just curious, Alex, can you explain the play where Trey Lance, the future ostensibly of this team, got hurt and what your reaction was to it when you saw it?
2: Yeah, I mean, there, like you said, there were so many facets of this game that as I'm watching, uh, just kind of hit home, you know, all offseason, all the talk of this quarterback room. I mean, there's so many similarities to even in my time in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Right. The mentorship. And then I got shipped off. Right. I get traded away. And the unique situation of Jimmy Garoppolo having shoulder surgery and the, the market for him kind of falling apart somehow we ended up with him re-signing back with the Niners on a new deal, right? And it was all the talk of, was this a good decision or not? What does this mean? And then today, you know, obviously one of the amazing things about Trey Lance are all is, I mean, the physical attributes are off the charts. I mean, there's not really anything this kid can't do from a physical talent standpoint. And certainly running the ball is one of those things. And today, going, carrying the football and going down, and, and it reminded me so much of, obviously, my own leg injury in the sense that it, it's not these devastating blows sometimes that, that are the worst. It's just mm. these really awkward, you know, underneath the pile. You just can't even really see it on camera. And those are the ones that oftentimes are the worst. And that's kind of the name of the game with Trey. It really didn't look like a bad hit. No. It took a second for people to notice. It felt like on the
1: field what was happening. God, Trey's Ray right. Trey right took it
2: wide. Trey's and then Trey, Trey's down. Yep. Trey's on his back. As he took the hand off there. Short Willis hurt. hit him, and it's not good. He 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 tried to get
0: up, and then immediately you could see by his body language, there is an issue, and he went straight back
2: down to his back. The trainer's working on him now. You know, when you see the cart come out, and then they had, they strapped the air cast on him, which, God, if I never see a air cast again in my life, Pablo, I'll be happy. You know, a lot of memories there. And obviously wishing him, you know, a lot of thoughts going out to him and, and what that means, you know, hopefully... Don't know if he's getting surgery uh, tonight or here soon, but obviously, you know, injuries, it's, it's why we love football, but it's also why we hate it in the sense that it, the physicality and the speed is so amazing to watch, but obviously a, a repercussion of that are these injuries sometimes. And and so wishing him nothing but the best. Obviously, he's still an incredibly young man, got a huge future ahead of him, and, and obviously uh, hopefully he can work past this bump in a road, and, and that's all that this is. But immediately, you know, the camera pans to our guy, Jimmy G., Yep, waiting
1: as designed, Alex, waiting as
2: designed. And I think for a lot of people out there, I know this this hit home with me, is they couldn't understand why Jimmy stayed. Like, why, why would you stay, Jimmy? Why would you stay with this team that gave up on you and, and wanted to go to somebody else? Well, if you look at the uniqueness of the situation, again, with his shoulder surgery, the market was kind of gone, right? The, the, the offseason musical chairs that was the starting quarterback situation had already played out. So he finally gets healthy close to camp and there's no real great landing spot for him, right? They're all, all the options are not very good. And I, I got to commend everybody involved in this, starting with Jimmy and his representatives and then Kyle and John Lynch and everybody to, to make this work because the best situation for him potentially after that it all played out was to just stay, to stay in a system that he knew, to stay on a team that he knew the players there, right? Like he can really highlight again, his attributes, and then he goes into the offseason as a free agent now ahead of the game. You know, I think that's that's what you're thinking if you're Jimmy, that this ultimately really is the best decision. And then, obviously, what what occurs today happened, right? I mean, this huge season-ending injury for Trey. And it, there's no other team that can boast this. To go to a quarterback no, where no. I think, in some ways, as crazy as sounds, your Super Bowl aspirations maybe got better with your backup in.
1: Well, well let's, let's talk about this, man. Let's talk about this because we have a producer on this call right now, Alex Hyacinth, our resident 49ers maniac. And, and he's teetering right now, man. Trey Lance is the guy that this team traded three first-rounders and a third to move up and take. Third overall in 2021, right? And now the glory of football is also the random cruelty of football. So how can you help walk Alex H. off the ledge here? How can you make him feel better about something that felt initially like just one of the worst
2: days in franchise history? Again, at the end of last season, all I could think about as the Niners lost in the NFC championship game, we were left with all these questions about Jimmy's limitations, right? Like what all these things he can't do that he's not. But we were also left with, we saw last week, we talked about it, right? There's going to be growing pains. Trey Lance, I mean, he played one game his last year of college, right? He sat last year and played two. Like it's this whole idea of potential, right? But could he achieve it? They they lost to the Chicago Bears last week, right? Like, I think you looked at this preseason. The Niners are a team that have Super Bowl aspirations and lost to one of the worst teams in football. And so, all of a sudden now, when Trey goes down and, and Jimmy runs out, it was so funny how I felt like the whole thing flipped. It was like, whoa, wow, Jimmy really gets rid of the ball really fast. Wow, Jimmy makes really quick decisions.
1: Yeah, let's walk through what you saw because, look, they beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks had won last week too, right? Like, they beat them 27 to 7 and when Jimmy Garoppolo was there what is he doing where you're like oh sh-. like this th- there is a silver lining to a horrible situation
2: I mean it was, I mean like just to start the game he went 5 for 5 for 80 yards and a touchdown it was like he he didn't even skip a beat e- It would have been easy to be mad and disgruntled and just walk away and make a rash decision that probably wasn't the best decision for your career but for Jimmy to kind of I think suck it up, and to to be the backup last week, to take his role and... Right. Didn't even have a playbook, right? Didn't have a playbook. They weren't even giving him reps. to your point. (laughs) Yeah. But he, he didn't need them, right? Like, that's the point. Apparently not. He had a ton of reps in the system, and he's got one of the quickest releases in football. In a lot of ways, some of these attributes run an NFL offense better, right? Like, sometimes ultimately playing quarterback comes down to this. Can you stand in there with somebody bearing down on you and layer a ball over the middle, right? Or, like, can you anticipate a throw and someone coming open? And Jimmy just did it time and time again today. The one that really highlighted it, I thought, was, you know, they're trying to ice the game, and Jimmy, in one play, he hard counts the Seahawks. He gets them to jump, so he gets the free play. Then he takes advantage of Brandon Ayuk outside, throws up the one-on-one ball, gets a P.I., and here we are third and five in a rain game and jimmy g goes to a couple tools that he's got he hard counts them. he gets the free play throws it up all of a sudden it's first and goal at the one
0: they got the jump garoppolo uses the cadence gets a free play throws end zone and it was nearly caught by Ayuk with one hand and then another flag is thrown from the far side so you got the neutral zone infraction and maybe a dpi in the end
1: zone
2: And it was just such a savvy veteran move that I thought, like, here's a guy that just, like, he, he's got it. There's these things that, again, they, they don't get talked about. That that play's not going to get put on Center. But we got back to great Niner football. They ran the ball for almost 200 yards. Jimmy was in total control back there making good decisions. This Niners defense was insanely good today. They held Seattle, to like, 30 yards rushing. Barely got 200 yards of offense. So, I mean, this was the formula that I think – all Niner fans were hoping for all season, right? Like, play amazing defense, run the football.
1: No doubt, no doubt. And your perspective on that from both sides of the aisle, so to speak, is is, is a special one. I, I ask you to apply that perspective to what you saw with the Cowboys and the Bengals, right? Because it, it is one of those situations. Well, I, And I actually want to start with the Joe Burrow part of this equation quickly before we get to the other injured quarterback situation that is overtaking the NFL conversation because Joe Burrow got sacked seven times last week by the Steelers. We talked about it. He got sacked six times by the Cowboys. I mean, this is an offensive line that was overhauled in the offseason because the Achilles heel of the Bengals, despite making the Super Bowl, was protecting their franchise quarterback. And now when you're watching him get sacked again and again and again
2: and again and again, like what, what's happening here? Why is it happening here? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot there. You said it. I mean, this this team, I think, recognized their weakness from last season. I mean, this is a guy that Burrow just has taken way too many hits, and and obviously he is the, uh, <laughs> one of the shining young lights of the entire NFL, let alone your franchise. He just took you to the Super Bowl, and let's go. And and I think they stepped up and did it, right? They went out and, and made a bunch of moves in free agency and got a bunch of guys in uh, to really kind of uh, put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. But uh, it, it has not played out these first two weeks. I mean, poor Lale Collins. I mean, he went from being matched up with TJ Watt week one, the returning reigning defensive player of the year, and got it, it was a long week last week. And then today, going head-to-head with Micah Parsons, who might well be the defensive player of the year this year. Good luck. Uh, they couldn't block him. And it wasn't just Micah. He set the tone for that D-line. But the entire Dallas D-line took over this football game uh, for the vast majority of it. And Joe Burrow didn't have a chance.
1: Yeah, these are my questions. Yeah, how much is he responsible now that we've changed some of the variables here for the stuff happening to him?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't point to a single instance. Mm. No, I mean, I, I thought he, he did a great job managing things back there, holding on to the ball, not making bad decisions in spite of all the pressure. I do think the one thing that I can point to is just how pass-happy this offense is. They occasionally dabble in the run game, but but there has never been a commitment to this run game as being any and all of an identity for them on offense. And faced with the D-line today, they, when, if you can just pin your ears back every single play, I mean, it, it's a huge advantage for a good D-line. And I know they got all these weapons and shiny toys outside, and they're awesome, and we love them. Yep. But uh, they're going to get Joe Burrow killed. If they want him standing at the end of the season, they, they've got to get some kind of run game back. But we turn now to the other side of this dynamic where Dak Prescott is not
1: standing. Dak Prescott has this thumb that he just had surgery on. And Stephen Jones, the CEO of the Cowboys, says that he could be back as soon as next week. One night football against the Giants, reportedly. But Cooper Rush just led the Cowboys to a 20-17 win over a team that was just in the Super Bowl last year after looking like this season was dead for the Cowboys at this point. And so what do the Cowboys have here, Alex? What's going on in terms of their quarterback
2: situation as you now assess it, having watched Cooper Rush play football? Yeah, I mean, having spent the entire week listening to everybody right off the Cowboys that the season was basically over, all the moves that the Joneses needed to go make, the people, you know, trade for Jimmy G, all the signings they needed to go do. That's right, that's right. I, I really credit them, you know, Coach Mike McCarthy, This again, that organization too, sticking to their guns. They got their young guy, they believe in Cooper Rush, who went 1-0 and last year in his only start. They really feel like they've developed him and brought him along. He knows the system. And they showed a lot of faith in him today. You know, here they go, playing the defending AFC champions, right? Uh, The sky is falling. Dak, their leader's out. And uh, what do you know? Cooper Rush leads them to their first touchdowns of the season.
0: Second and seven, Rush, play fake, bootleg to the right, looking to throw it in the end zone, leaping, touched. That is Noah Bryant. First ever NFL touchdown.
2: Two out of the first three uh, series, long 75 yard touchdowns, and he seemed very, very unfazed by all the noise that comes with being a Dallas Cowboy quarterback. I mean, the fact that he doesn't have Stephen A. Smith in his head, you know, <laughs> is remarkable. And he stepped up and he made some really, really gutsy throws. Did he make some mistakes? Of course. Uh, he's a young guy playing a really good defensive unit, but I thought he made some gutsy, gutsy plays and made enough. The huge game winner, you know, Bengals again, here, here they are the second week in a row having no business being in a game. They thoroughly got dominated, and they find a way to tie this game up. So close. And Cowboys get it back. Cowboys get it back with 57 seconds left, and Cooper Rush drives them down the field for the game winner and executes it really, really well.
1: I had a lot of jokes. I had a lot of Mike <laughs> McCarthy jokes. And it turns out it turns out that uh, those jokes are at least on ice for another week. But meanwhile, after the break, you talked about a comeback that almost was, let's talk about the greatest comeback of the entire day and what the hell is happening in Miami right now.
0: Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Anyeho Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: So Alex Smith, this is the greatest day in a non-history, right? Like the online cult around Tua to Tunga-Vailoa has been waiting to, has been waiting to celebrate after a game in which Tua throws for 469 yards, six touchdowns against two picks. I mean, they were trailing. Let's put it this way, actually, statistically. The last 11 years, teams trailing by 21 or more points in the fourth quarter have a record of 0 and 711. And now it is 1 and 711. So how did Tua Tungavailoa and your old teammate Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Mike
2: McDaniel, their new head coach, how did they pull this off as you saw it? First off, Pablo, I can't tell you how excited I am to finally be on a Tua Non episode of ESPN Daily. <laughs> it's time. It's time. With that being said, yeah, uh, they ran into a, they, they flat out, they ran into a bus saw, right? I mean, Lamar Jackson, for the first three quarters of today, was like outer world. I mean, he was absolutely perfect. I mean, I, I pressed pause at the beginning of the fourth quarter and I checked his stats. I mean, he literally had a perfect passer rating. He was 14 to 17 for 228 and three touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he had seven carries for 118 yards and a touchdown at that point. I mean, it was like... Literally, he's the story. Yeah, he was the story of the day.
1: Lamar Jackson figuring out cover zero, figuring out the blitz yep. was the story that was going to lead our podcast.
2: Yep, and it was like, man, I mean, what can this guy not do? And I, I mean, if you would have told me at that point that the Dolphins were going to somehow find a way to win this ball game, I mean, I I, I would have taken the seven hundred and whatever to zero odds. I would have taken those. Yeah, you know, <laughs> same. Yeah, and so this honestly the Ravens goes back to the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed days uh, of, of this glory mm. defense. And this is a defense that has never waited for an offense to set the tone, right? They take pride as a defense that they are going to bring it, right? They set the tempo of the game, right? They are not reactionary. And it is it has stayed on through John Harbaugh. It has been an identity for them the last, again, 15 to 20 years. And with that they are a hyper-aggressive defense. I mean, there, there, there's no situational football up three scores. They're gonna play it safe. I think they feel like they had a young quarterback in Tua in a new offense, and they had had a lot of success up in that point. It had some success. Tua had thrown two picks. They'd kind of caught him, uh, fooled him a couple times, and so they were gonna keep it up. And they kept up these crazy disguises and zone pressures, and Tua made him pay. non came and made him pay and caught him in some big third downs in this fourth quarter. And two of them to the Tyreek that, I mean, there was like, nobody home, what are we doing?
1: I was very confused as to how it was that Tyreek Hill was that open. What is your diagnosis of how it was that these bombs from a guy yeah. who's not known for his strong arm yep
2: ended up connecting with your your old running mate. Yeah, so this is this is uh we'll go we'll go in chronological order. So this is the first Tyreek touchdown. You know, and it's it's 3rd and 10, I think, and and again, they're trying to disguise, right? They're trying to confuse Tua. So they're holding shell. They're actually kind of they've got a couple of linebackers mugged up on the weak side and and for everybody out there, again, the Dolphins are in a three-by-one set, so they have Tyreek down, singled up by himself to the right of Tua, and then three receivers up top to the left. And they have Tyreek in a snug split, which means he's basically in like a weird little three- to four-yard split. And you do this, especially with a guy like Tyreek, because when you put him down in this funny split, you can't press him. Because if you do, you get worried about getting picked and rubbed with linebackers, so you it always backs a corner off. Well, with a guy Tyreek, guy like Tyreek, that's amazing because you get him a full head of steam, right? Like your best chance sometimes with him is to kind of get your hands on him at the line of scrimmage, but you kind of take that away with this alignment. So they've got him down in the snug split. Well, with that, the Ravens are kind of bluffing pressure from the side of Tyreek, and they're holding this shell. They're holding a two shell. So it looks like low, four across, two high safety. And at the snap, they hold it to the last minute. It's the exact opposite. It's pressure from the three receiver side. They all go running out and spinning. So the safety to the three receiver side drops in and the safety that's on Tyreek's side is responsible to running, running back and getting the center field. Well, it's the young rookie Kyle Hamilton, the the young first round pick out of Notre Dame. And he, he greatly underestimates how fast Tyreek is. Because again, Tyreek's (laughs) in this cutoff split and he, he pushes up on Marcus Peters and then hits the post. And leaves everybody in the dust. it play, down two touchdowns. Chase Edmonds, the running back, throws the He gets it off, goes deep downfield
0: for Wilson. Got it, touchdown. No, oh, check oh, it. Oh. Tyreek Hill, check it. Tyreek Hill got behind everybody, and Tua let it rip, man. That's all. That's all he had right
2: there. And Tua, uh, yeah, for all the talk that he can't throw the long ball, he doesn't skip a beat. So with that. Again, they're bringing the overload pressure to the three-receiver side. When well, the Dolphins pick it up, great. And, in fact, Tua kind of drifts back away from the pressure to the side of Tyreek and then just heaves this ball down the middle. And Tyreek's the only one there, right? Easy catch score. I mean, it's amazing, but it's still a 14-point game, right? There's still You're still like, the game's over. This right. is too little, too late, but, but right? the
1: idea... The idea that people are underestimating Tyreek Hill is a phenomenon that you have enjoyed personally. Yeah. Oh,
2: for sure. Well, he's a guy that, like, it was funny. It didn't take very long when you're playing with him. For all the other receivers I played with, I'm sorry, but there were times when guys have go routes, okay? But they're not really go routes, Pablo. They're just like clear routes, okay? They're just kind of just it's it's an arrow and the offensive coordinator tells him he's involved (laughs) in the read, but he's really not involved in the read. Like when we go separately into the quarterback room, we really talk about who's going to get the ball. And that guy's often not part of it. You very quickly playing with (laughs) Tyreek realize that, like, if he's got a go route, he's alive. Right. Always. And you should always know if and when Tyreek's going deep and it's always like the, the, like the, it's got like this, like the Joker in your back card. Like you have your, your read that we talk about. And then there's also this like asterisk that, like, if there's a good look to throw him a go ball, you throw it. Yep. He's just so fast and has such great ball skills with the ball in the air. And half the time, the, the corners, even if they're close, they're running so fast to keep up, they can't make a play on the ball. Like it's just this amazing thing. So then fast forward, here we are in the very next series and flip, flip this thing over now. So they're in a three by one set. Tyreek's on the left and they got three receivers to the right. And it's it's like déjà vu. The the Ravens are again doing all this disguise, trying to 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 you know confuse Tua and get pressure and then they confuse themselves. They like literally blow coverage. They run out, spin out into this zone zone pressure coverage again and completely nobody there's no safety even home. So the corner thinks he has help. He doesn't. There's no safety back there. Tyreek's even more open than the first one. And Tua sees it again.
0: Edmonds, the running back, back to throw Tua, looking, flips it, downfield, wide open! Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Ah. He he beat him by seven or eight yards. Just flew by him for a second time.
2: And and for all the credit, you know, in the talk this week about his height and not being able to throw slants because he can't see him well, he can see Tyreek, and he found him. And it was like, wham, two back-to-back quick strikes. And it was like...
1: Well, and, and then, Alex, and then you throw on top of that. Oh, yeah, on the other side of the field is Jalen Waddle. To a
0: shotgun, back to throw, looking, 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 steps up, fires, touchdown! Again, it's Waddle. Touchdown! Oh, my gosh, to a look around, it came back to Waddle. what a throw and catch!
1: And so here's another statistic that is just, you know, of course, like, but two teammates had never had at least 150 receiving yards, 10 catches, and at least two touchdowns in the same game until today. And so the idea that, okay, there are the bombs you've just outlined for us, but then there's the yards after the catch that you get, not just from Tyreek, but from Jalen Waddell. I mean, again, assigning credit as we must do as hot take artists, right? The criticism of Tua that Tua Nan is going to have to fend off is that these receivers, the yards after the catch, the system that... This is so much about that and not Tua. And I'm just wondering, like, how this all fits together as a
2: quarterback as you understand it. I mean, for anybody out there making that argument, I mean, I think that's just garbage. I mean, he's a guy that threw for six touchdowns today. He just put his name in the record books alongside Bob Greasy and Dan Marino, okay? Two bona fide Hall of Famers. And no system is just rigging up six touchdown games in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) And the throws and reads he made today were spot on. And I think that's the beauty though, of them being aggressive and going and getting Tyreek. And that was the amazing partnership that we all saw in Kansas City, the last, you know, seven, eight years that Tyreek and Kelsey, this whole idea of the greatest deep threat that we've seen in a long, long time, maybe ever, Mm -hmm. paired with an absolutely amazing slot presence, that there is this great balance of like, pick your poison, you know, I mean, that they complement each other so well, and so we're seeing. We, we, I mean, these first two weeks, we've really seen it. That the addition of Tyreek, certainly, he put on a show today. But if you look at Waddle's first two games, I mean, he's really benefited the most from Tyreek's presence and really softening yes. a lot of that underneath coverage up. A lot of these catch and runs, and so it's really been a great, a great marriage. And then you add obviously Mike McDaniel, who's a run game kind of wizard, and and you throw that in there too. And this is an offense that that is really, really potent. And you saw that, I mean, a 28 point fourth quarter is absolutely bananas and to come back and take this game. And then for him to hit the game winner, uh, like he did to Waddle uh, was just, uh, it was was awesome to watch. I I loved it. Um, I think it showed a lot of growth uh, for Tua to throw two early picks and to march back and and rattle off five touchdowns like that was unbelievable. So Tyreek says after the game about Mike McDaniel, the head coach, the
1: offensive play caller here. It was like he was just out here playing Madden.
0: Man, I I just, man, it's crazy, man, because we was actually just talking about that. Me, Teddy, and some more guys. It it was just like he was out there playing Madden. You know, he was just lining us up quick.
1: Which is another recurring theme of today, but I'm curious when you watch what Mike McDaniel is scheming up here in Miami, in a way that's so different from what the Brian Flores Dolphins looked like for several years prior. What are you seeing out of McDaniel, a man we are clearly just
2: obsessed with ourselves on this podcast? Well, oh, I think you've seen an absurd amount of uh, let's how do I how do I put this? Um, I think controlled aggression, right? Like I think it's just smart pedal to the metal like he hasn't you know this this uh old analog you know field position game not that mike doesn't understand that but like i think being able to put his all his players in the best chance for them to go out and have success in these first two weeks to understand different situations and and these were two very different games right like the patriot game last week that they won they dominated on defense and it it played out very very differently. but he had a crucial fourth and seven call that he absolutely nailed and the team responded so positively to him for for making that call and then today obviously they fall down and and you saw him adjust right I mean they, they played wide open he put the ball into his hands asked him to make plays uh, really put the pressure I think countered this this Ravens defense pressure so oftentimes when you play a, a defense like the Ravens and they, they throw so much at you that a lot of offensive coaches again to go back to these negative coaches, like they go into a shell, right? They coach and call plays conservatively. And that has an effect on you yes. as a player. Like I can't tell you as a quarterback when conservative play calls come in, it makes you play tighter. And vice versa. If you have a coach that is free-flowing and the, the, the aggressive play calls keep coming, it has an effect on you and your demeanor to the game, right? And it's subliminal. And I think everybody in the huddle picks up on that. And I think it's it's incredibly refreshing. Refreshing The fact that he connects and can identify with so many of these young guys, right? That, again, I can't tell you how boring some of these football meetings are, these install meetings, right? <laughs> and, and I've heard amazing stories and I can only imagine, right, the humor and the connection that Mike brings to these situations. I think guys appreciate that. They do. They've been in these other meetings, these snooze fests, when it's just like, oh, my God, get me out of here. I can't handle another, you know, like droning yes. Bueller. Who can't Bueller. relate, Alex? Yeah. Who
1: cannot relate? Yes. So, yes, to the Ben
2: Steinization yes. of the NFL coach. Right? Yeah, and so Mike McDaniel is the exact opposite, right? I mean, he is, he is uh, free-flowing. He is also, I think, unapologetically himself, which I know everybody appreciates, right? He's not trying to be anybody. He's not. Uh, this is who he is. Take it or leave it. And I think guys really respect that. And he certainly uh, had a great effect on the culture there. Two big wins to be 2-0. And, and again, that comeback today was for the record books. And 2 anon lives.
1: Yes, Ale- a- Alex Smith, I can think of no better way to end this podcast than by formally welcoming you, inducting you into 2 and on. They have also been expecting you. We are 2 and on.
2: Expect us. Uh, if everybody out there could see the grin on my face right now
1: (laughs) it's so wide (laughs) (laughs) thank you for making this interesting man
2: Uh, thank you Pablo
1: I'm Pablo Torre this has been ESPN Daily I'll talk to you tomorrow